Welcome everyone to tonight's tasting featuring Oak Mountain Winery. It's my pleasure to introduce Kathy Singer. Her label photo there says Julie. Julie is her daughter, uh, but it is Kathy. And Kathy is going to introduce us to the Oak Mountain wine, as well as uh, give us a little bit of background about Temecula and help us learn to figure out what we're tasting, what we like, what we don't like, and make better choices. So welcome, Kathy. I'm glad you're with us this evening. Well, thank you, and it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for the invite. We are, um, we're going to start off uh, and listen to a little bit about how we got into the wine business, uh, Will. And we'll be having that discussion with our first wine, our Oak Mountain Winery 2019 Sauvignon Blanc. That's so, right. Take us through a little bit about your background and then tell us a little bit about this wine. Okay. Does everybody have the wine or just, just us? No, just us. Okay, great. Well, just uh, uh, we are going to be starting off with our Sauvignon Blanc. This is the 2019 Sauvignon Blanc here. And this one actually has very complex aromas of grapefruit, uh, green apple, lemongrass, honeysuckle. But once you uh, uh, analyze the wine, take the aroma in through your nose, you're going to get very zesty flavor profile of lemon, lime, and grapefruit as well. So this, I don't know if you can see, this is one of our cave because Oak Mountain Winery has a cave, so all of our glasses have the cave on it. So anyway, uh, you'll go ahead, just uh, take a big whiff of it. Oh, it does smell wonderful. And then I've, we'll take a sip of it as well. I noticed the grapefruit. I'm not getting the other citrus, but the grapefruit for me is really strong. Well, in fact, I didn't chill this on purpose because I find that once I chill wines, uh, you know, if they're chilled too uh, cold, you don't get the flavor profile. So I didn't chill this one, and I actually uh, taste the grapefruit on this, just like what you're saying mm -hmm. as well. But also, too, I do get a little bit of lemon and lime in it. Well, this brings up an interesting question for me because we uh, splurged a, a few months back and, and purchased a wine refrigerator uh, to keep our wines in uh, and then uh, it recommended keeping temperatures for 51 for the whites and 61 for the reds. Do you think those are a good temperature range? No, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't do that. Typically, they tell us with our whites they should be between 48 and 53 degrees. Because the problem is, everybody, when you buy a white wine and you bring it home, where's the first place you normally will put that white wine when you get home? Most people put it in their refrigerator. So the problem is our refrigerators run about 37, 38 degrees. So we can't serve a white wine at that cold degrees because it covers the entire flavor profile of that wine. So basically what you need to do is if you're going to serve that white wine, you've got to pull it out of the refrigerator at least 15 to 20 minutes, let it sit on your counter and warm up. And then that's going to release the flavor profile of all of the uh, different whites that you have and rosés are the same. As far as red wines uh, go, 
uh, they tell us that we can store them anywhere from about 58 up to 64, something like that, 65. Um, but the thing of it is, many of us don't have wine refrigerators. So what do we do? We bring them home, we put them into our wine cabinets horizontally. You know, you want them to be horizontally because you want the wine to touch the end of the cork to keep the cork supple so that no air can come into the cork and oxidize the wine. So the wines have to be stored at a 45 degree angle like this. But with red wines, uh, those of us who don't have refrigerators, we have air conditioning in our home. But these red wines you're storing can be 72, 74 degrees. Well, a proper wet red wine should be served at about 66, 67 degrees as far as I'm concerned. So what do we do in that case then? We're going to pop it into the refrigerator for 10 or 15 minutes and cool it down so it gets to the proper temperature. Well, it sounds like we have our set then right for the middle range, both yeah. the white and the red. And I, and I think it has made a difference, both in how we're serving it and enjoying it. Right. It definitely makes a difference on the temperature of your wine, how you're serving it for sure. Well, while we're enjoying this, tell us, how did you happen to get involved with wine? Well, it's interesting. Um, my husband was the NASA representative to Europe. And so we lived in Italy and France for about 12 years. So once, once we moved to Italy, uh, I'm embarrassed to tell you all, but both my husband and I were teetotalers. We didn't drink any wine at all. But the first week we got into town, all of the other international space companies hosted a private dinner for my husband to welcome him into the community. And at this dinner at a beautiful restaurant, the entire table was lined up with wine. And like I said, we didn't drink wine. So the waiter came around, served us our glass of wine. And I still to this day remember looking at my husband and going, what are we going to do? I whispered to him and he said, well, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. So that started us in our quest for tasting wine, so to speak. So lucky for us, we had many years there in Italy. We toured all over the country. Uh, and actually, I met a very famous, famous uh, name in Italian wine, the Marchese Piero Antonori. And he has five or six big castles all over Italy where they make all this wine. But he invited me and uh, some of my friends and everything to come and do a private tour at the Castello della Sala in Tuscany. And so after that tour that I took and everything, the most amazing viticulture tour he gave us that day, it was shocking. But I remember leaving there that day and going, someday I would really love to get involved in wine. Little did I know that when we returned back to California, uh, we would move right into wine country as it turned out. So that's kind of how I got into wine. And then what happened when you got back to the U.S.? So once we got back and everything, unfortunately, my husband had a massive stroke, ended up passing away back in 2008. And remember, everyone, that's when the stock market crashed during that time, and we lost all of our 401ks, became the 201ks, and our equities in our house became half of what they were the day before. 
Well, the company that I've worked for for many years in global corporate sales decided to close down the Los Angeles office. So I was unemployed. So uh, about a week or two after laying on the sofa, my daughter came down the stairs one day and said, Mom, are you aware that our local college here has classes certified through UC Davis and uh, they teach viticulture and enology and why don't you just go back to uh, college and study? So that's what I did. I went back to college, uh, studied through UC Davis viticulture and enology and then when I was finished, I interned under a winemaker for five months. So I had a pretty good overview, I guess you could say at that point in time. And then that's how I got into the wine business. That uh, winemaker actually hired me there at the winery where he was at, and which was interesting because it was the first vineyard ever planted in Temecula with all the history. So I really got to really enjoy all the history of Temecula wine country through that winemaker. Unfortunately, the owner of that winery passed away uh, because uh, they asked me to stay and work for them, which I did for a couple of years, but the owner passed away and they sold it very quickly. So that's how I ended up at Oak Mountain Winery back in 2013. So I've been with Oak Mountain Winery now all these years. So what viticulture actually entail? So viticulture would be the study or the growing of the vine, and that's more into my study. So uh, I'm more, because you know, you can't have great wine without great grapes. It starts with the grape. So you really have to keep up with your viticulture studies because they do change from time to time. And then enology is winemaking. So uh, that's more my field. So at Oak Mountain Winery, uh, I do viticulture tours. We have 90 minute tours. Oak Mountain Winery is the only vineyard or winery in all of Southern California that has a proper lined cave. So on these tours and everything, we start outside in the vineyards and everything. I give you the history of Temecula wine country. Uh, I go through the five stages of the vine as it's going from bud break all the way up to harvest. Talk about those stages quickly. Um, Talk about elevation. Oak Mountain sits at a very high elevation. We're at 2,900 feet, if you can imagine. And we have a sister winery, Temecula Hills Winery, uh, 12 miles away from us, sits even higher at 3,000 feet. So what happens is when you sit up at a high elevation, we get a ton of wind. So that constant four months of friction, pounding against every grape that's grown up high, what it does, it just intensifies the indigenous flavor profiles of every variety. So we have some excellent, excellent wines where we are. So the cave also, really interests me. So what's the significance of the cave? What does it mean from both the winemaking angle as well as a, a, a wine lover who comes to visit? Oh, we are the only winery in Southern California, I mentioned, with a proper mined cave. So it uh, actually took about, uh, I would say, two years for us to build that cave. We actually thought in the beginning it would be about 90 days. But being the only cave in Southern California, I cannot tell you the issues we ran into with permits 
because there had never been a cave before. So every little detail of that cave, they would have to fax up to NAP and go, now what do we do? How do we authorize this? And what's the next step? So it ended up to be about a two-year process. Oh, wow. Steve and Val are owners. They own both Oak Mountain Winery and Temecula Hills Winery. Steve is the most interesting guy ever. Um, he studied through UC Davis in viticulture and enology. He is our winemaker at both facilities. And uh, Val, our owner, runs all of uh, the facilities at Temecula Hills Winery and Oak Mountain Winery as well. So they hired a company out of Napa. They moved down, uh, lived with us for the entire time, and it uh, took them about four months to drill through the mountain. So the lowest point of the cave is about 90 feet below the top of the mountain. And I should say the, the normal uh, is 90 feet below the top of the mountain. Our lowest point, we actually have a tunnel that goes through the whole cave and it will gradually uh, uh, go downward. That was done on purpose for natural drainage in case we'd ever need it. So the lowest point is 104 feet in our big giant cave reserve room, our big party room down there. Oh, so as when you, uh, someone visiting can go that far down. Yes. So as you walk into the cave, you're not even aware that you're in the cave because at the top of the mountain, if you would look up above the entrance, you would see the mountain straight up on top of you. So people think when they're walking in, well, when am I going to start going down? Well, you already are down. You just don't realize you're down, as it turns out. So uh, anyway, in the beginning of the cave, we have our beautiful cave tasting uh, room in there. And then we continue on. We have a cave cafe. We have cave uh, cafe sitting inside of the cave as well. And then also, too, uh, we store about 450 barrels of wine inside of the cave. And one reason caves are so beautiful for aging wine is the high humidity that you get in the cave. So the other 50-some wineries here in Temecula, they all have to store their wines in a big warehouse. Well, the problem with storing your wines in warehouses, like most people do, you get a lot of evaporation out of that barrel. Anywhere from seven to nine percent just evaporates up into the air. And anywhere you are in the world, this evaporation is called the angel's share. Mm -hmm. I tell everyone, our angels here in Temecula are the happiest angels <laughs> you will ever meet in your entire life because they have the 54 wineries just to go and take in all of this angel share, the evaporation. But if you're storing these 450 barrels inside of the cave with the humidity of 61, 64%, what the humidity does, it expands the wood of the barrel and we have less evaporation between one and 2%. Guys, that is a ton of money. So number one, caves pay for themselves relatively quickly because we don't have any air conditioning bills that we have to use in there. It has this consistent temperature year round. And also too, we have much less evaporation. So believe it or not, uh, the cave will pay for itself in the long run as it turns out. 
We did some wine touring in, in France last year and, and they referred to the angels share as well. And I thought, yes, oh, must be happy angels. <laughs> yes, our angels are very happy here in Temecula, I can tell you. Um, so anyway, being the only cave, it's about 10,000 square feet, as it turns out. And then I do viticulture tours and I teach wine classes inside. Uh, we have a smaller room uh, where I do most of uh, the wine classes that I teach and my tours. And then we have other tour guides so we can take tours in two or three different areas of the cave. So we can actually have three tours going on at the same time as it turns out. Well, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the elephant in the room and that's the closures caused by COVID. I understand you got some good news about all of that yesterday. Just yesterday here in Riverside uh, County where Temecula is, we were actually allowed to open up for indoor seating, but on a very limited basis. You know, it's been since March that we've been closed down here. And this has really hit our winery so hard because up until now, we could only do wine tastings outside. Well, I have to tell you, we are very hot here in Temecula. <laughs> Over the Labor Day weekend, we ran 118 degrees one day, 119 the next day. So can you imagine people trying to wine taste outside in that heat? Uh, it's just been so difficult on all of our wineries. Also, too, Oak Mountain is one of the largest wineries, so luckily for us, not only do we have our cave, but we have a giant big pavilion uh, where we have live entertainment out there on Sundays. So uh, we, can add, we can open all the sides to this pavilion, so that has been a saving grace, where we can space people out out there and still have the breeze going through. And then we have our beautiful Cave Cafe, rated the number one uh, cafe in all of Southern California because I mentioned we sit up at a very high elevation has the most stunning views you can imagine of the beautiful countryside looks just like Tuscany and in fact the first time I drove up the driveway to get up there I just got out of the car stopped took this 180 degree view the identical view of Tuscany just stunningly just a, beautiful just a restaurant serve a full menu? Yes, yeah, so uh, the restaurant was rated the number one restaurant in Southern California. It's called the Cave Cafe. Uh, so we do have a full menu. We have anything you want. We have appetizers to big giant sandwiches. We have bison burgers. And then of course we get into, uh, you know, uh, more hearty meals. We have short ribs and you name it, the menu does change from time to time as we go through. Uh, but you can do your tastings out on our big giant patio with these stunning, magnificent views of the entire valley. And a lot of people prefer actually sitting outside on this gorgeous patio than being inside the cave, believe it or not. Well, it's been pouring down rain for two days here in Seattle. So sitting on you your patio seems like a really good idea. You need the rain up there with all that smoke you have. You know, I was from Seattle and I still have friends up there and I'm shocked at all the smoke I see on the television. And of course, we've been hit very hard with the fires down here in California as well. Uh, I 
have ash all over my back patio and we have smoke as well. But yeah, you needed the rain. So we're going to move on to our red, which is um, another label, Temecula Hills. It is a, an estate Syrah. Tell us about this and then as part of that process, I know you're going to help us learn how to analyze what we're tasting and learn what we like. Absolutely, and I don't see any wine glasses in front of Vicky here or Penny, so you'll oh, just have to. I can't imagine they're there. Oh, you have some. Wine. There you are. <laughs> so, uh, basically, with this red wine, we will analyze wine, proper wine etiquette for everybody if you're interested in that. But this is our beautiful uh, Syrah. This is our 16 Syrah. This comes from Temecula Hills Winery, about 12, 13 miles east of where Oak Mountain Winery is. Uh, this is really intense. It's ripe on the front end. It has a lot of blackberries, black cherries, and we get kind of a marriage of caramel um, undertones or overtones, I guess you could call it, from the barrel that it was aged in. So Oak Mountain Winery, actually, we specialize in varietals from France. So if you haven't been to France before, if you look at a map straight on, to the left, the west side, beautiful Bordeaux region. To the right or the east side, gorgeous Rhone Valley going 120 miles north and south. Uh, so we specialize in those varietals. And the Syrah is the king of the Rhone region. So the <coughs> Rhone region is divided in the northern, northern Rhone or the Southern Rhone. And by law in France, only two varietals can be grown in that Northern Rhone. And Syrah is the one, the king. The white is the Viognier. She's the queen of the Rhone regions. But then when you get down into the Southern Rhone, then Grenache becomes the driver down there. So this is where you get your beautiful Grenaches, uh, Movedras, uh, you get your GSMs from there, Grenache, Syrah, Mobedra blends. Um, so all of those beautiful wines come from the Rhone region. From the Bordeaux side, of course, we have the Cabernet Sauvignon, the Cabernet Franc, the Merlot, Petit Verdot Malbec. And of course, we have the Sauvignon Blanc, which we've just tried earlier here. Uh, so we do both of those varietals, plus many other varietals. We have a beautiful Sangiovese from Italy that we do. And we make over 40 different wines every year. Uh, pardon me, 30 different wines every year. And out of all the wineries in all of Southern California, only know of two of us that actually make our own sparkling wines. Everyone else in Temecula will send them up to a little town up above Santa Barbara and Lodi. Uh, they'll send their labels up there, they make them up there, ship them back down. But we actually make all of our sparkling wines. And at any given time, we have six to eight sparklers, as it turns out. So now getting to the wine and everything, uh, as I mentioned, uh, this wine actually, Syrahs always pair beautifully with pork or lamb. So anytime I, I do a lake of lamb, we always have Syrah with it, as it turns out. So let me take a quick taste and then I'll show you how to analyze wine real fast. This one's, this one's really good. Mm -hmm. I love this. You can tell we're a hotter climate here because our wines can be a little bit drier. 
where we are because of the heat that we have. One thing that makes, uh, just real fast, Temecula so beautiful for growing uh, grapes is uh, we sit in kind of a valley. So we have a huge mountain range to the west of us. And in that mountain range, as we look over, there's a big U that comes in the middle of this mountain range. And that's called the Rainbow Gap. So what happens is every morning we get the cool ocean breezes that come in, cool us down. Yeah, we can get hotter in hell in the afternoon, uh, <laughs> but always about 4.35 o'clock, oh, here comes this cool breeze, just cools down this entire valley for the whole night. So that's what makes our Temecula wines maybe a little bit drier than what you might be used to. Just real fast, if you can see me, proper wine etiquette. So from now on, when anyone pours you a glass of wine, we only will be holding it by the pedestal. Wine etiquette tells us we are never allowed to hold the glass uh, this way. They don't want us transferring heat to the wine. And also, too, in proper wine etiquette, there can never be fingerprints or smudges in the glass. My also, glasses always have smudges. <laughs> also, two ladies, when we drink our wine, if you come in, or gentlemen too, but especially with the women, when you come in to take your first sip like we're doing, if we take a second sip of that wine, we have to line up that lipstick mark. <laughs> Proper wine etiquette says no more ring around the rim in our life. Okay? <laughs> so that's proper wine etiquette. I um, love that by not wearing lipstick when I'm tasting wine. Yeah. That's why it doesn't matter with the guys so much because no one's watching where they're tasting or anything. Uh, but with women... But to analyze your wine, it's always easier with a red wine. So I don't know, I don't know if you can see here on my screen. Do you have a napkin here? I just spilled my wine a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm not sure you can see on the screen. I think I can see it. But can everyone see this plain uh, rim around the top of your wine here? Here, let me wipe up my mess I just made. Yeah, so can you see on my glass, maybe this white napkin will help. There is a white rim that's floating around the top of the glass here. So this is what we call a halo. Can you all see it? Mm -hmm. So this is what we call a halo. And the halo simply means this wine has not been compromised. Maybe a faulty cork, air somehow got in through that bottle, you would not see this halo. Uh, Always, always, always you want to check too uh, because uh, with the halo, you wouldn't see it if the wine had been stored at too high of a temperature called matterization. So for some reason, you wouldn't see this halo. That's the end of the conversation. You're not going to move forward. You're going to be polite. You're going to ask for your server, new glass, new wine, and say, I'm just sorry. The wine's been compromised. I don't see the halo here. So y'all saw your hands? If you were at the restaurant and said that to your wine steward, they would know what you meant in... Absolutely. So every sommelier, anyone in the wine business knows that we always want to look for the halo. And the halo is on every wine, uh, not just red wines, uh, white wines, uh, late harvest wines, port wines. So the white rim floating right around the top of your glass, this is the halo. And it, I, this is new. This is new info for me. So I'm oh, excited, is it? Yeah. I can see it. 
Um, I use a, we use stemless glasses because we are a pet owning household. Um, and there have been too many accidents, but um, I see it and I've, I've never known this before. Yeah. So this will just tell you your wine has not been com compromised. After that, we want to swirl the wine. So what the swirling of the wine does, you all know this, it's going to put air into your glass and it's going to release the aroma. So once we do that, then we want to take a giant whiff of this wine. And this will release all the flavor profiles that we have. After this, everybody, if you can turn your glass over, can you all see these little teeny, uh, some people call these legs, the proper term is tears. You see these floating down your glass? So the tears simply tell us, uh, again, that the wine has not been compromised. But the one thing that the tears will show you is how much alcohol is in this wine. So the thicker the tears, the more alcohol is in this wine. If this were a sweet wine I was going to show you, they would run down lickety-split and you just wouldn't see any formation at all. So you all see that? We're all, we're all doing this there. And then at that point and everything, we're going to go ahead and take another taste of it now just to remember what we've done. This is a good Syrah, I like it, it's very dry. Uh, so basically, that's how we're going to analyze our wine. We always look for the halo, it's on every wine, red, white, sparkling wines will have a halo. If you don't see it, that's the end of the conversation. You always want to look for the tears, the tears will tell us how much alcohol. So the slower the tears, the thicker, the higher in alcohol. Uh, if they run down lickety-split, you can hardly see them. It's a very, very sweet one. I have a question. Yeah. Um, does, does how, what a person picks up in their mouth depend on the person? Because I've, when I drink a red wine, I usually get the black cherry flavor just about every single time. Does is it because um, something about me that uh, makes that come out? Well, I'm kind of with you there, uh, Tony. I get that a lot too, especially in the climate, like I mentioned, where we are down here, because the wines with the high temperature gives off a lot of uh, the flavor profile. So obviously you're going to get that on many of the red wines you find in this area, but not just here, you're going to see that a lot. Uh, uh, I found in the Bordeaux region where you're going to get very uh, heavy profiles uh, from the Bordeaux's, dark, dark fruit, jammy type wines. Uh, so the same thing happens with me. I'm right there with you, exactly what you're saying. And I, on the other hand, never pick up on black cherry nuance at all. But I really- Oh, you don't? No, I mean, he'll, you know, everybody will talk about all the strong black cherry and maybe I just don't know that flavor to associate with it. But I always pick up the leather, the tobacco, the earthy, the herby, the- Yeah. Those, and, and I don't get any of the stone fruits. Right, and my palate is pretty much the way your palate is as well. 
Uh, it's very simple. Uh, people are always asking me in classes, Kathy, how can I figure out what my palate is so I stop buying the wrong wines for my individual palate? Uh, I, about 10 years ago, I came up with this test on my own because all of my friends, I've done it myself. I bought wines myself and thought, oh my gosh, I can't even drink this. I brought them home. And I've poured out bottles of wine. I don't know if the rest of you have. But I came up with a simple test about 10 years ago. And to this day, people keep coming back to the winery and thanking me for it. But I tell everybody, if you want to know what your palate is, keep a plain sheet of paper in your wallet. And this is only for the best wines you've ever had in your entire life. Nothing else goes on there. So the next time you're out and you go, ah, this is the best wine ever. Okay, write down the name of the wine because if it was the best, you want to remember to buy it again. But then also to look at the front or the back of the bottle for the alcohol content and write it on this side of the sheet. Two weeks later, you're out. Oh my gosh, I love the wine. Okay, same song and dance. Write it down. Alcohol content. After you've done that about eight or nine times, when you pull out the sheet of paper, you're going to see something so interesting. The best wines you've ever had in your whole life are exactly the same alcohol content. So alcohol plays a, a big uh, part of our uh, palate. So just remember this, 8 to 11% alcohol are very, very very sweet wines. It's rare you're going to run into any of these. Sparkling wines are usually 11 to 12. So 8 to 11, very sweet wines. But then we get into the 11, 12. So this is where you're going to find the sweeter wines, your uh, uh, Rieslings. Uh, I was going to say, I'm trying to think of some of the sweet ones that we do there. A lot of our dog label wines, because we're a dog-friendly winery, we do sweeter wines there. Uh, the Gewurz demeanor here will be a little bit sweeter as it turns out. Uh, and then 13 to 16 are your drier wines. So the higher the alcohol, the drier the wine. The lower the alcohol, the sweeter the wine. With and, and both the ones we're tasting tonight are within that dry band. Yes, in fact... Let me take a look at the Sauvignon Blanc because this, yeah, this is 13.8. So this is a little dry, but of course the Syrah here, let me find the Syrah. Uh, I'm not even sure. 14. Yeah. But remember there are two exceptions to this rule of thumb. So when we're out in the vineyard and we get ready to go to harvest, we all go to harvest before a sugar count called 24 bricks. And this is uh, like if you're a diabetic, you're going to have a glucose monitor, prick your finger, find your blood sugar. Well, we have a bricks refractometer that we can prick the grape, find the sugar. And the reason everyone goes before this 24 sugar count is the yeast that's used by most winemakers all over the world can only eat up to 24 sugar. So these grapes have to be off the vine, gone through a crusher, destemmer, juice put in a tank, yeast added, or we've lost all of our grapes for the entire year. Uh, we think of, of and I'm, I'm the same way, when we think of wine, we think of getting together with friends, you know, trying something new, talking about what we like and what we don't like. We forget how, that it's agriculture. We're, we're talking 
we're talking farming and dirt and soil and climate. Um, yeah. And, and that may not be as sexy as sitting around with a great glass of wine, but it's still where it all starts. But you have to remember, uh, as I've said before, we can't have excellent wine without excellent grapes. That's why Steve, our owner, uh, handles all of the viticulture, all of our locations and everything. Boy, he keeps a tough hand on exactly what we do with all of our grapes, making sure that we harvest them at the proper time. But um, getting back to this test, I want to tell you there's two exceptions to that test. So remember I mentioned 8 to 11, very, very sweet wines. You won't see many of those. Then 11, 12, we get into all the sparkling wines are in there, the sweeter wines. 13 to 16 are your drier wines, with two exceptions. So, for instance, uh, where, where we are at our vineyard, uh, the last uh, vine that we usually come back to up until this year, I should say this because uh, things change with our uh, practices this year, but the last one we get back to is the beautiful Primitivo. So guess what the sugar count is when we get back to that after we've harvested everything else? It could be up to 30. So now Houston, we got a problem. Remember the yeast can only eat up to 24. So we have six extra grams of sugar that yeast can't eat. But after a couple weeks, that six grams of sugar turns into alcohol. And so this is where we get our late harvest wines. Remember, they're very high in alcohol, but very sweet on the front end. Uh, so we get late harvest wines out of there, and always our beautiful ports come that way as well. That's why we all love our ports. They're high in alcohol. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful with chocolate. I love port with blue cheese, uh, Roquefort. I know that sounds odd. Uh, but anyway, that I'm is this. I'm going to interrupt you for just a second. Ed, did you have a question or were you stretching? And you're on You were saying oh. yay. <laughs> oh, yay for the port? <laughs> yeah, he likes his port, I think. I, I think yeah. we had this, this uh, discussion before. Uh, yeah. As long as I'm not driving anywhere afterwards. Yeah. So basically, that's just a simple test that I give to everyone. It works out pretty well. Over the years, people have come back, pulled me aside in between tours and go, Kathy, that was the best thing you ever taught me because we never buy a wine we don't like. And oddly enough, that gal, she liked dry wines. The husband liked all sweet. So now they can oh. both, uh, you know, shop for their wines and get exactly what's for their own palate as it goes. Well, as we're, as we're starting to wind down here, I want to make sure if there's any questions that we answer them. Just make sure you're unmuted. And um, I, I, I really, I really want to come visit because I want to check out the cave. So I'll just put my my uh, bias out there. I think that just sounds very interesting to to check it out and to learn to learn more about that. So well, we have we'll wonderful that on our trip. We have wonderful tour guides, so you can come take a tour. You'll find them very informative. Uh, I do want to get back just real fast to Steve and Val. I know you've had me going in uh, different directions here. But just tell you just quickly, you know, the earliest history of wine 
in Temecula was 1797 when the mission fathers came up from Mexico. Those guys were Spanish, said they brought with them the mission grape for sacramental purposes, you know. <laughs> so when they got into Temecula, we have our big Indian, um, well, what do you call them, uh, reservation, I guess you would say, the Pachanga Indians. So in 1797, they actually domiciled in with the Indians, planted the first vineyard on record here uh, of that mission grape. And guess what, you guys, when you come to wine visit here in Temecula, they actually do tours of that original vineyard. Uh, they say, call over, set up a tour. Well, I've called over. Guess what? Two-year waiting list. Well, I tell, I tell people. I tell people at my age, I don't get on two-year waiting lists. <clears throat> and I stopped buying green bananas a long time ago, too, so I haven't been over to see it. What's sad is I really want to go see it. That's the sad part. But then also, too, at the Pachanga Reservation, we also have another ancient vineyard there from 1882. And one of our other wineries here in town still to this day harvest some of their grapes, and it's an old vine Zinfandel. Uh, so that was the earliest history. More recent history, the man we all call the grandfather of Temecula wine country, neatest guy ever, Vince Alerso, very famous Hollywood lighting director back in the 60s. He did, well, maybe you guys can remember, I don't know if you're as old, uh, the old Bob Newhart show, and also some other shows at that uh, uh, type that he had done. But when he got ready to retire, he did call up to UC Davis, spoke with a very famous viticulturist in those days, a guy named Dick Brake, and he said, Dick, if I'm going to buy property anywhere in all of California, where am I going to buy it? And Dick said, I'm going to be in Southern California next week. Meet me at this little place called Old Town Temecula. Well, they met up, and uh, that day it said Dick took him to a high elevation, turned him around to show him the mountains. He showed him the Rainbow Gap, and he said, this is the best place in all of Southern California to be planting your vineyard. And that's how Temecula actually started, was through Vince Solerso, as it turns out. Uh, I actually interned on that property. And Vince told a story that he got out right as he was planting it. Mind you, that was the first piece of property bought in Temecula. But he got out about 20 acres, and what did he uncover? A hundred-year-old vine Zinfandel completely covered up. And he said, well, what is this? I don't get what this is. If I'm the first one to buy property here, where did this thing come from? So they went back through the history and found that in 1822, uh, an Italian family moved from Italy and brought it. Or 10 years later, a French family came in and they were neighbors on that property. So one of the two of them brought that first wine into our wine country here today. Oh, Interesting, wow. uh, yeah. because, because the Primitivo and the Zinfandel have the exact same DNA as it turns out. So, uh, and the Zinfandel is the only varietal in the world that requires no irrigation. So every day he wakes up and says, if I don't find water today, I'm gonna die. If I don't find, so he's under stress, the root structures go anywhere from uh, 20 to 50 feet, these old vine Zinfandels. 
wow. So it was really interesting to find uh, on that first piece of property, Vince found that old Zinfandel. So obviously it had been used. But Steve and Val started their wineries back in 2000. Steve was uh, actually a race car driver in his younger years and everything, and then went on to own a very famous towing company. He worked through, uh, what do you call it, the AAA, the auto club, uh, for many years. And Val herself, for 20 years, had a painting company that was very successful. But Val's father was an amazing guy, Ed Snyder, back in the 60s and actually started some of the first wine shops in all of Southern California, Orange County area. And he's the one who got Steve and Val interested in wine. And so that's how the wine uh, came about. He called in some favors of some friends of his up and down the coast of California, gave them private tours. Steve got hooked, Val got hooked, and then that was where it went from there. So uh, interesting, interesting uh, story they have. They have, was, they have one more label that we haven't talked about. Yes, so I did, I did want to tell you that Oak Mountain Winery, I don't know if you can see this. Can you see this? This is one of our dog label wines. We are a dog-friendly winery here. Uh, so when you come wine tasting, Fido gets to come with you as it turns out. I have to tell you, our Cave Cafe, uh, not only do we have superior food at the Cave Cafe, but we also, too, have a doggy menu. So when you come and bring Fido, <laughs> you can order off the doggy menu for Fido. And let me tell you, they don't open up a can of dog food and put it on a plate. Our chef, Kevin, actually <laughs> cooks for your dog. So he has a chicken and rice bowl. And I have to tell you, there have been many times on my lunch hour, I think, oh, I'd love to go and order that chicken and rice bowl off the doggy menu, but I'm kind of embarrassed to do that. But that would have been fun. But anyway, we have five, six dog label wines. They're our sweeter uh, line that we have. And anytime you purchase one of these wines, a portion of the profits goes to buy insulin for animals who are diabetic where the owners can't afford it. So it's a wonderful charity we have. Once a year, we have doggy date night. So you can bring Fido with you. You get a gourmet dinner. Fido gets his own gourmet dinner. Always live entertainment out there. I used to get a kick watching the dogs dance with the owners. The owners would get up to dance, and Fido is in the middle of both of them dancing with them. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this is our dog charity that we have. That's a, a wonderful charitable option. We had a we had a cat who was diabetic, and I know that the expenses can be overwhelming for someone who doesn't have the resources. So that's really a um, that's really a wonderful a wonderful thing to donate to. I actually had a little dog that was diabetic. Our little Fritzy guy for five years. I would tell him, Fritzy, it's time for your shot. He would get off the sofa walk to the refrigerator, wait until I gave him the shot, and then go back to the sofa again. Uh, yeah. would, Earth would run. <laughs> yeah, twice a day he did that. So I'm, I understand the diabetes. I had a lady on my tour, I'd say right before COVID happened, maybe a couple months before, but I mentioned this, and she looked at me and she said, well, Kathy, I have a diabetic dog. Do you think I could sign up? 
to get on the program. And lo and behold, I heard she did sign up. So she did really well because I don't know about your cat, but I was spending $100 a month on Fritzy's insulin. Yes. And so that $30 tour that she bought and everything really paid off for her in the end. She got her insulin for her uh, dog. So before we close, are there any questions? Two. Uh, Penny. Penny. I have a question about the Savignon Blanc. Yes. Um, the way you were describing it, and, and the reason I don't have any wine, it's almost 11 o'clock here, and I've got a looming deadline, and wine just doesn't fit in with the scenario. Yeah. Um, but the, the way you described the Savignon Blanc, um, it sounded like it might taste a little bit puckery, which is fine. <laughs> That's, the Savignon Blancs tend to be a little bit puckery, but is the finish also puckery, or does it kind of smooth out? Well, I would call it more of a bright acidity, baby, you would think of it. Because it is dry, you know, you have to remember that it is dry, and you are getting grapefruit off of that, as well as lemon and lime. So I can actually see, Penny, where you're coming from that, that you could say it could be puckery. But, you know, Sauvignon Blancs are so beautiful with fish. If you order fish anywhere, you're going to have a Sauvignon Blanc with it. Beautiful Absolutely. with Beautiful with pasta, with cream sauces they go with. Um, so, yeah, that's a very good, uh, you know, I see Penny, my mother was blind, and my mother had excellent senses on food uh, and smells. And I think she picked that up. I don't know, but my mother could smell something from across the entire room, and the rest of us had no idea what she was talking about, you know. But her sense of smell and uh, was very profound. Yeah. Um, but get, getting back to the Sauvignon Blanc, um, I, I like the acidity in it, and and I. But some of the ones that I have had have had a very all, too tart a finish. So that's yes. why I was asking about, about the finish. Well, I think you could be right. In fact, let me have another little taste just to see how it is after it's warmed up here a little bit. Let me see. Yeah, I get it. I do taste the grapefruit on this, though. Did oh, you hear it, Joe? Grapefruit, lime, lemon, those are all yeah. aren't going to make you make you pucker. I'm wondering if maybe a, a higher um, alcohol content in a Sauvignon Blanc might be a little mellower. I don't think so. I think it has to do with our uh, uh, earth that we have, our terroir here. The fact that we are so warm and everything is just going to magnify those individual profiles. So it may be a matter of pairing it with the right thing to have a little a little more smooth. Um. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it pairs really well with artichoke dips. Uh, you can uh, use most of the dips, veggie dips. Uh, Caesar, Caesar salad it's good with. I love it with fish. Especially love it with pasta, with cream sauce, too. Mm. Well, hopefully there's some ideas for you, Penny. Thank you. That, that's, um, and, and, I'm going to try it. And let us know how it goes. Ed, you had a couple questions you said? 
Nope, nope. I was just happy about port. Oh, oh you're back to the port again. Very happy about port. <laughs> well, uh, Oak Mountain is offering a special promo for us, and that uh, I'll have the details. You don't have to write anything down. I'll have the details in the follow-up email that comes out. They're offering a 20% discount off of any purchases and a flat $10 for shipping. They are also giving away to one participant a complimentary tour of the winery, so you can go and check out that cave. It's a 90-minute tour. And hey, then, Kathy, what's the, can you tell us what the price of that would normally be if we're just coming down? Yeah, if you come down, ask for me. Uh, if you come down to make reservations, we always have uh, specials through Groupon. Okay. So, so our regular price, if you weren't with Groupon, would be $90. That would be for two people. That would include your tasting and also to a small little charcuterie cheese type platter that you would share with your partner. But through Groupon, uh, we have them, and right now, I actually happened to look a couple days ago. There's a special on that tour uh, for $55 for the couple. So when you're coming in, uh, I always tell people, you're coming into wine country, always go to Groupon, because every winery will have specials going on on Groupon. Oh, there's a good tip. Yeah. Thanks. Also, too, there's very few of us wineries out of the 50, 54 wineries here in town <clears throat> that have proper cafes or restaurants and that sort of thing. So remember, we have beautiful food at the Cave Cafe, absolutely stunning uh, food. Uh, but there are a few other uh, wineries in the area that do have restaurants as well. And so people, oftentimes I get people that will just email me going, I'm coming into town, where am I going to have lunch? Tell me some of the, because we're going to be here for two or three days, so we want to check around. So just remember when you do come in, uh, we have lodging here, uh, plenty of lodging for people, plenty of restaurants, beautiful wine. I don't think you can have a bad wine anywhere that I'm aware of. Good to know. Um, Oak Brown is also offering a special on their Cabernet Reserve. Uh, if yes. you buy a case, that's 50% off. And so I this... have that info in the newsletter with a link, so you can just click through and get more information about that. This is our beautiful Cave Cabernet Reserve, uh, the 2011. I believe it rated 94 points. Mm. Uh, so this is a beautiful, beautiful cab. Because we opened up yesterday after all these months of COVID, next thing I see is 50% off on a case of this. So instead of, I think it was $50, I'm not even sure because I don't have a price sheet and I haven't been to the wine in a long time, but it's half price. I think it's around $25 a bottle. So if you do decide you want to buy a case of this, then there is a uh, code for that. And that I'll, I'll put that in the, the new yeah. the follow-up so that yes. someone so watching this, this is, later doesn't have that promo code. Yeah, this is the beautiful Cave Cab Reserve. Might be a good time to get together with some wine-loving friends to, uh, to just yeah. ordering a case. Do a Cabernet tasting. Yeah. <laughs>
from the different regions. You could go into Walla Walla where you were and have them send some and we'll send you some. And Well, thank you everyone for joining us. I will be getting out all that promotional information along with links to learn more about the wines that we've hit tonight. Hopefully you'll find uh, something that interests you, whether it's visiting uh, Temecula, checking out the cave, or purchasing some of the Oak Mountain wines. Thank you very much, Kathy, and to your oh, well, it's a pleasure. Well, I really learned a, I really learned a lot that I'm going to be taking some notes on. So uh, when we do some more tasting, that I really start keeping track of better track of the things that I I like and enjoy. Well, you please reach me through Oak Mountain Winery. So love to see anyone who wants to come to visit. All right. Thank and with you, that, Kathy. everyone, we'll go in right. with a big cheers. Have a Thank great you. night, everybody. Bye. Bye. Good night.